This is the 2.1 cast. Visit the2.1.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at the2.1. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the 2.1 cast. I'm your host Neil Murray and as usual I'm joined by Stefan Bienkowski and James Kearney. How you doing guys? Bit, bit sleepy. Bit sleepy? Yeah. Why is that? Because we had a big lunch today. We did have a big lunch today, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of, I'm okay. I've had an absolute belter of a coffee. Uh, you're, so you're a coffee is bigger than you. Yeah, so I'm feeling pretty fresh. Probably yourself you enjoying this Easter, well Easter Monday. Uh, I've spent the day chasing after a three-year-old um, so yeah, I've been pretty tired to be Would honest. You like, I'm going to give you the chance to kind of explain. Rather <laughs> oh, yeah, it's my, it's my girlfriend's niece. Yeah, okay, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, good, good save. Uh, yeah, excellent. Um, well, the international break is finally over mm-hmm. and we're well and truly back to club football this weekend. Hibs is who we're, we're going to focus on this episode. They're, they're in great form. As I mentioned, it is Easter Monday, so we're recording this before the Hamilton match uh, tomorrow evening. But they're unbeaten in seven matches. They've won five and drawn two. Uh, that la- last loss, and uh, interestingly enough, was against Celtic, and it was only one 0 that they get beaten. They've, even then, they kind of ran Celtic close, which they've done a few times this season. But uh, yeah, it was a narrow defeat. We're, we're going to talk about Neil Lennon's side, uh, their season so far, whether we think they're genuine contenders to finish in second place. So I think what we'll do is we'll start uh, by just talking about how good a season they're having, Stefan. Yeah, it's been fantastic. I mean, I think uh, I've said in the podcast already, back when we were talking about potential Scotland managers, I think Neil Lennon's probably had as good a season as just about anyone outside of Rugby Park, perhaps. Um, and again, I think he's proven himself to be a very astute manager. I think um, as time goes by, I think we're realising that what happened at Bolton was more of a blip or an outlier in his career. And I've always been quite a strong advocate of what he did at Celtic. I thought he was a little un- hardly undone by by the end of things. I don't think he gets the credit as some managers uh, do uh, from Celtic ma- Celtic fans. Um, and he hasn't really put a foot wrong at, uh, at Hibs. Um, sure, you know they're no longer in the Scottish Cup and they managed to go out to you know against Hearts, which might bother some fans. But I think they're quite happy to be in a situation that right now. I'm not sure they'd swap that for Hart's current situation. Um, so, yeah, all things rosy in, in Leith, in my opinion, and uh, possibly we might see things change in the summer, but as things are right now, they've been outstanding. James? Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much agreeing with what Stefan's just said there. Um, you know, I think when they came up, I think most people would have said they would have probably finished in the top six, but I don't know if everyone thought they'd, they'd be keeping pace with the likes of Rangers and Aberdeen. So that's pretty. I think that's pretty impressive uh, in itself. Um, I mean, and I know we've said they got knocked out of the cup by Hearts, but I mean, in the league they've not even conceded a goal against Hearts yet. Yeah. So um, you know, there's plenty to be positive about there. Um, and it looks like they've overtaken Hearts as well in terms of like this. I mean, obviously they are actually ahead of them in the table, but mm-hmm. they look a bit like a better squad and they've got a better sort of trajectory to them, to them at, the mo- at the moment as well. So yeah, I think it's all things very rosy at Easter Road. Yeah, I think what's even more impressive, and I know this is always a caveat, I think it's me that always mentions it as well, but they have to be promoted. It's pretty pretty remarkable no matter how big a club they are in terms of coming up from the championship. But yeah, I mean, it's a good point you made as well about Hearts. It was always going to sting when you get knocked out by your biggest rivals in a cup competition. But 
Lennon's record against Hearts has been phenomenal, so as much as it maybe was going to hurt on that day, I don't think Hibs fans will be too upset given that since then they've gone on to have this brilliant league run and they continue to look good. I mean, I was at, I was at his press conference last week and his biggest fear was uh, this break mm. would have been a kind of stunted their momentum that they had. And he's right, I mean, out of all the clubs in the league right now, maybe minus Kilmarnock, they were the ones probably dreading that international break. They're playing really good football. They look like they could beat anybody in the league. I think they would fancy their chances against anybody, and I include Celtic in that the way they're playing. So I think I think just to jump in there quickly, um, I'm intrigued to see how Lenin's reputation changes over the coming years because I think even up until maybe like a season or two ago, even up until maybe this season, he's, he was still unfairly characterised as the player he was, and that seemed to like reflect bizarrely on what kind of coach he was. I think people thought. He was a minimalist, he maybe wasn't very tactically astute or didn't think m about things as much as maybe other managers because he was that type of midfielder perhaps, right? And you can get into, that's a different debate of what kind of player he was, but I think he was unfairly treated that way. I still feel, I feel like there is a kind of groundswell of opinion saying, you know what, he's actually a very good coach and, you know, we're based here in Glasgow, so we, we kind of do get the kind of Celtic Rangers approach to it. But I have seen a lot more Rangers fans being willing to give him credit. Now, you know, now, I'm not saying you know, um, they, they, all of a sudden Rangers fans appreciate him. Of course they don't. But So what you're saying is Lennon to Ibrox. <laughs> Start of next season. Um, well, yeah, that'd be interesting. Um, I, I, feel, I, feel, I feel like even, like the point I'm making is that he's now doing so well that I think even, you know... His that, biggest detractors. Exactly. His, be, his yeah. biggest critics are now being like, right, okay, mm -hmm. fair enough, he's doing quite well. Now, I'm not saying the few Rangers fans I spoke speak to speak for all of them, but... I'm intrigued to see how his reputation morphs uh, as, as, as he continues to do well at Hibs. I think it is interesting because you'd be, particularly at the start of his career, you'd be forgiven for thinking that, well, he was always going to win stuff at Celtic because um, he had the money and then Rangers got relegated and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But he was very, very underappreciated. Yeah, I mean, you, we've talked on the podcast before and you've written about it on the website about his European record with Celtic and how it's superior to anybody else's in recent times. Mm. And I think you've got to remember he, he played under Martin O'Neill at Celtic and at Leicester, it's that old cliche, but he will have picked up mm. good habits and um, he was he was one of those players, yeah, he wasn't the kind of guy who was always in the ball or flash or anything like that. He, he did the job that nobody wants to do, but he did it very well, which was breaking up play. It wasn't very glamorous, but as you say, as a coach, uh, and Hibbs are the perfect example of that, they play very attractive football, play arguably one of the best, if not the best attacking team after Celtic in the league when it comes to attack. Uh, just to go on a bit more about that, at his press conference as well, he, he kind of threw out the stat that we're the most fouled team in the league. Uh, I've since fact-checked this and he is correct. Uh, they are by quite a distance actually the yeah, most. And yeah. what, what we were trying to find out was, do you think that's because you get better attacking players? And I think partly it's got to be into that. Obviously they're going to have a lot of the ball and, uh, to, to be fouled that much. So. I think it's a testament to what he's brought to the club that they are being filled that much. If that's the only way you can stop him, mm -hmm. um, so no. I mean, coming coming back to the point is, yeah, it's undoubtedly as all three of us have just said, a, a fantastic season for him. I mean, I think Hibs fans feel free to to message us and uh, tweet us if I'm wrong here, but I think you would have taken top six prior to the start yeah. prior to prior to now. I, th I think that'd be now. I I think even now, I know it's amazing we're in a position where if they were to finish fourth this season that would be regarded a disappointment for Hibs. That, that is a unbelievable, even if you're a newly promoted team the size of Hibs or Hearts, to finish anywhere in the top four is a remarkable achievement when Rangers and Celtic are there. Yeah, and to kind of reflect on back what we talked about last week in like the bottom six in the relegation zone, Hibs have completely disrupted everything this season. Like everyone below them has basically had to accept that they're now down a peg. 
Partick Thistle, perhaps the most obvious ones. St Johnston. Uh, St Johnston, of course, yeah, absolutely. And Motherwell as well. I mean, any other season, Motherwell would be in the top six right now, I'd argue. Yeah, um, and but in Kilmarnock as well, have had are, are, are also on our team who've done this. But it's completely ripped up the status quo in the Scottish Premiership and they've just quite happily said, you know, we'll take anyone on. And they have to an extent, you know. I mean, maybe Celtic aside, but then I think they've also gave Celtic a lot of problems this season. So they've been a, they've been a breath of fresh air and... Thank God for Hibs. The sun is shining on me. I thought it was quite interesting. Sorry, but literally, like you're talking a minute, James. I feel like we're just uh, like you're not quick enough, mate. You're not uh, quick enough. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, get, you'll get it eventually. We're both absolute gab shites. Um, no, the, the other thing I found really interesting, and I remember I was the first one to absolutely snort when he said it. But I'm sure it was last year after Hibs were knocked out in the semi-finals by Aberdeen in the cup. And Lennon, I was like, oh, classy Lennon being a bad loser. He was like, we are going to come up and we could be the second best team in Scotland. I was like, right, just simmer down, okay? That's that. You're going to come up and I'm sure you'll do well, but to say you're going to be the second best team in Scotland, that's a bit much, okay? Just settle down. And now look where we're at. Yep. And I will put my hand up and say, if they do, they fully deserve it because he's a... Uh, you can tell anytime you talk to players or players are interviewed from that team, they love playing for him. Mm. And uh, he's, he's done something really, really well there. And it's... There's players from Hibs being called up to Scotland. That's not something that happens very often at all. There's, uh, there's just as I say, there's plenty of those players that are going to attract interest from other clubs down south. Um, he's just got a very, very good unit there, and I think he deserves a lot of credit. Um, going on from there, we'll start with you, James. Why, why are they so good? And I think we've kind of split this between the three of us. But is there a particular section of the team you'd like to look at and why they are so good in this Hibs side? I was having a wee look at the, the midfield. Um, I mean, their starting midfield of McGinn, McGeech and Allen is, you know, one of the best in the league. You know, are probably, I think it's fair to say that only Celtic have a better one. Um, when you look at things like their key passes per 90 minutes, uh, like, you know, Scott Allen's got the best in the league. Oh, sorry, the second best in the league. He's got, two. he averages 2.76 per game. Key pass uh, being a pass that leads to a shot, yeah. That's right, yeah. And whereas Armstrong, only Stuart Armstrong has more with 2.99, although obviously he's playing for a Celtic team that yeah. have a lot more possession. Um, then you look at um, like something like the secondary shot assists, for instance. So that's a pass that leads to a pass that leads to a shot, if that's not too convoluted. Yeah, the pass before the assist or shot, basically. That's right. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> or the pass before the pass. Of the shot. <laughs> You're right there. Uh, sorry, I'm confusing. I'm, they I'm don't to, know that we know that they know. We're actually... <laughs> <laughs> shout out to the latest simpler for the listeners, but we made it worse, haven't we? So, yeah. so essentially, a key pass is a pass that leads to a shot. A secondary shot assist is essentially the pass before the key pass, or the yeah. assist. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Thank you, Neil. <laughs> so and when you look at that, um, so Celtics players dominate yeah. uh, those stats again, you know, Cham, Armstrong, Rogic. But outside of Celtic, uh, the next is Scott Allen, mm. who's got the next highest with 1.29. And after that, it's John McGinn with 1.18, yeah. which is better than anyone from Aberdeen, anyone from Rangers, and, you know, just anyone. Which is like, so that, that really shows the sort of creative element they've got in their side, that they, they do have players that are good at going forward and fashioning opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think it's that, it's that creativity that's really given them an edge over the uh, opposition this season. And... I think as long as they can keep those three fit, then I don't see any reason why they can't finish second. Yeah. I mean, I think Neil's, Neil's got a piece come up on the website this week, actually, on Scott Allen. And, you know, we've mentioned him in the past specifically about how Dundee will miss him. But 
the way that he's just kind of continued his form, the way he's just slotted out of that Dundee team and directly into this Hibs team as if nothing happened is remarkable. Yeah. You know, it's 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 all well and good to say, you know, you can throw a centre-back in somewhere or a goalkeeper and they'll just do what they're paid to do. But for like a striker or a number 10 to be able to link up with players and yeah, I know Scott Allen used to play for Hibs and stuff, but a lot's changed since then, even though it wasn't that particularly long time ago. But it, it shows how outstanding he's been, but it also shows how good this Hibs team are. And it shows how good Neil Lennon's system works, because Neil's probably going to talk about the strikers in a minute, but the way that they've been able to just completely swap and change players and keep that form is, in, is, in, is a huge testament to Neil Lennon, I think. Well, I think it's incredible the fact that Alan... I, I wrote something on Alan after he left Dundee and how much... Dundee even miss him and I mean it's, it's an obvious thing you probably don't have to even analyse it you could say that as a statement and people be like yeah fair enough um, but I remember sorry to cut in there but I remember at the start of the season people weren't even that bothered about Scott Allen at Dundee well what was amazing though it's because he was injured so much but then when you looked at his stats any time he even played half a game here and there he would still create something yeah. and then he's come to Hibs and as you say I think not taking anything away with how he's hit the ground running because he has it's been remarkable but I think the fact McGear can McGinn were there in the championship when he played with them and stuff like that 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 helps he's played with a lot of the other players there but it has like he just come home and he's not he's not missed a beat but even just looking briefly here he's he's had four assists since he came back and he's played I mean let's see how many games he's played and for, for Hibs he's played um one two three four five six seven um Six games, exactly. sorry. Six yeah. in six games he scored. He's provided four assists for Hibs, and one of the, his first proper game was against Rangers. And again, that could be a tough game at Ibrox. And I remember he was man of the match that day. Pretty sure he won the penalty, didn't he? Um, he's been brilliant, uh, and I think we were talking about this in the car earlier on, actually, Stefan. That if McGinn was to go, it would be it would soften the blow slightly if uh, he could join Hibs on a permanent from Celtic. It's not that he'd be a direct replacement from again, but he would definitely soften the blow because he's a, he's a huge player for them and uh, he's been brilliant. And it's been so easy for him to go under the radar slightly as well because obviously McGinn and McGeek have been given call-ups. But you have to ask, with these South American uh, friendlies and uh, matches coming up for Scotland, he's, he sh if he keeps playing like this till the end of the season, he's surely got to be involved in some capacity. Yeah. I mean, I think he's got more competition than maybe McGinn. Well, actually, I'm not sure, actually. Um, then again, McGee, because obviously there's like McGregor, Armstrong, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I, I totally agree with you. Like, so the point I was making was that if he was to go to Celtic this summer, then you'd think Hibs would be fools not to be like, right, well, give us a couple of million plus Scott Allen or something along those lines, you know, because it means they get a player who knows how to play in the team. Um, I know they're both different types of players, but in terms of an attacking sense, I think they're quite similar, aren't they, James, in terms of creating chances and stuff like that? Uh, Alan and McGinn. Yes. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, so Scott Allen, yeah, averages, in terms of key passes per 90, he does get more. Like, he gets 2.76 compared to McGinn's 1.7. Mm -hmm. Which would make sense because McGinn's further back at the pitch, isn't he? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but then in terms of like establishing passes, which, okay, here we go. So, <laughs> an establishing pass leads to a secondary shot assist, yeah. which then leads to a key yeah. pass, yeah. 
which leads to a shot. You yeah, can so never say <laughs> we. You can never say we we, uh, we breeze over the yeah. the, the, the stats. Um, the way I like to think of it is like it's kind of like starting the move. So like if, yeah, if, course, if I yeah. move up to a shot or an assist is three passes, yeah. yeah, then that's the starting one. Yeah. That's exactly. how I would look at it. But, exactly. But it, they're important though. That's the thing. They are. It's, it's it's really interesting to look at it. Sorry, I let you finish your point. But. I was just going to say that um, like McGinn's establishing passes aren't actually that impressive. Mm. McGeeks are better than McGinn's, but again, Scott Allen's got. One of the best in the league. He's, he's third in the league and only. So he's he's one of the best at establishing passes and yeah, key exactly. passes. Like, two people. Like, <laughs> so much. he starts to play and then he's the guy who makes the final pass in the play as well. Presumably, I mean, yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's like actually only, quite remarkable. Only in Cham and Ar- and Armstrong have got more. They've got the average one point two seven establishing passes per ninety. Mm-hmm. Then it's Allen on one point one, mm-hmm. and then everybody else. I mean, like you know, McGeeks on zero point seven four. McGinn's is only down to zero point four eight. So it's, it's fair to say that, you know, Alan is he's really starting moves as well as getting involved in thick a bit further up the pitch Which as well. Which is maybe promising uh, for Hibs fans if he wants to go that he could maybe fulfil another role or at least soften the blow in terms of like starting moves yeah. if McGinn wants to leave. But yeah, stats suggest he could play like a, like a number six or yeah, something. Yeah, which still is good. I mean, I remember Lennon has said in the past though this season that he thinks Alan can make it at Celtic. He's like, you don't have that much talent. Not or move to Celtic and you don't have that much talent. So, but you've got to think wh- where does he fit into that Celtic side because he is so far down the pecking order. I'm sure if he was given a run of games, he could do something. But it's whether that's going to happen. Looking at who who's in that team. Yeah, and not meaning, while Armstrong and McGregor are both that's there. That's it, and, and even then, and that's it. Even then, he's not going to go back when in Cham or Brown there. So, well, if Armstrong moves well, this yes. summer, who's in his contracts running out, uh, not this summer but next summer, as is Tom Rogic's. Neither have signed a new contract yet, so Celtic could end up having to sell two number tens this summer. Actually, um, whether Celtic fans would be comfortable with the idea of Scott Allen being the replacement to either of those players, despite the fact that we've just said how good he's been, I'm not sure that would quell their their um, appetite for you know proven talent. Um, but so yeah, we could end. We could, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate there. We might actually find a situation in which Celtic's midfield actually clears out to an extent. Um, and then he could maybe be recalled because they might feel they need cover there. Um, but yeah, we'll wait to see, I suppose. I mean, I was sorry, I was going to just talk about the fact that these guys we're talking about, the likes of Scott Allen and McGinn, uh, there's also Martin Boyle, they, they chip in with goals, and I'm kind of using that as a segue to their, their attackers. I think the other great thing about Hibs this season is you'd be forgiven in January to think, what the hell is Neil Lennon doing? He's letting. Anthony Stokes and Simon Murray go, your two main goal scorers. Stokes, I think, it was completely justified. You can't keep behaving like that. And he was given chances. And he was obviously like a hero for Hibs, but he wasn't really delivering as much as he maybe had been in previous seasons. And Murray was fine, but then there was always that thing where was he just going through a hot streak? And it seems that maybe was the case. Uh, so bottom line, it was a case of, oh my God, are they going to be able to replace these two strikers? Uh, I think you wrote something, Stefan, on that Hibs don't need strikers, quite a bold claim, but to an extent they don't because, I mean, McGinn and McGinn and Boyle at that time it's not were not too far behind the likes of Murray, who was the top scorer mm. in terms of goals scored. Still is. Yeah, well, like, I mean, it's remar- remarkable, isn't it, though? With eight. If I'm not mistaken, um, when I did that article, when I looked at, like, McGinn, or not McGinn, Stokes and Murray's goal-scoring habits, it was always, like, a feast or famine. They'd go through, like, runs, and then they'd go, like, five or six games without scoring, Luckily, they both seemed to like coincide, well not coincide, the opposite coincide with each other in the sense that they alternated. So, you know, when Murray was scoring, Stokes wasn't. But mm-hmm. even despite all that, I never really figured out what Stokes did in that team. 
And then you've got something like Scott Arm who's slotted in straight away and it's like, it's as if he's been playing the whole time. Well, yeah. in, that, in that same vein, when they brought in Camberry yeah. and they brought in McLaren, now we did we had somebody from Australia uh, look at McLaren because obviously his record in the A-League was fantastic. I mean, not just, not just a randomer from Australia. Yeah, it was right? some guy. Uh, <laughs> a sports journalist yeah, from yeah. Australia, yeah. Uh, sorry, <laughs> should probably say that, yeah. Just some Aussie they yeah, found yeah, yeah, down yeah, yeah. the, uh, the yeah. offlet. It, it was a heavy subbed article. No, uh, so he wrote about McLaren because his record in the A-League was absolutely ridiculous and... I, I don't think he's been prolific as of yet, but he's shown signs of what he can what he can do. He's he's scoring he scored a few goals. Uh, Camberry, and I remember when we were doing our transfer <laughs> our transfer videos, the transfer deadline day videos in January, and no, we, we were trying to find out how to pronounce his name. That's how much we knew about him. But uh, he, he he I think has looked very very good. Uh, has had a good start to his Hibs yeah. career in both of them. Like there's been a few times they've really been linking up well. And what's quite interesting is when you look at their goals per ninety minutes, like their average rate, it's higher than both. Murray and uh, Stokes. Mm -hmm. So I think already you can see that the, the risk paid off. Uh, why would you have a disruptive influence like Stokes in the team? Murray, you're not sure about. So Lennon took the risk. He seems to be reaping the rewards. Murray is, it is just a loan deal, isn't it? It like is just a loan deal. He'll yeah. be coming back as well, which just gives, gives Lennon another option. Yeah, exactly. As well. And I think that what another thing, I, when I was looking at the numbers for this, for, for Hibs attackers, was They've also got Ollie Shaw, who I know has had uh, injuries and not a whole lot of game time, but he's actually got the best goals per 90 uh, rate in the whole of the Hibs team. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's great news for Lennon, knowing somebody who's young. And he was playing, he was really coming into the squad when Stokes was obviously being disciplined and he got the opportunity to show what he could do. And what he could do was quite a lot, actually. So that's another option Hibs have. So really, from going at the start of January in that window, to having pretty much no first team or recognised strikers minus Shaw really or strikers that you'd want to start and now we've got the three of them and bring in McGinn, bring in Bartley they've got goals and quite an even spread but also I think if McLaren and Camberry get a, a, a even more so of a run in the team from now until the end of the season I think you can see them doing really well uh, whether McLaren will be there at the end of next season uh, at the start of next season sorry is another matter I'm pretty sure he's just in a loan deal as well so, so yeah. um, but I think it's quite exciting for Hibs up, t up top as well because um, I don't know, it just, it just works well with, with the midfield and attack. They, they really have got something that uh, could cause a threat or trouble any team in the league, basically. Good depth as well. Yeah. You know, they've got plenty of options for if somebody's suspended or injured. You know, there's always capable replacements to come into the team, and that's like a really big factor in the rise up the table, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an obvious point, but. When you have that many, when you have that kind of decentralisation of goal scoring, then it makes it so much harder for opposing teams to close to, to 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 build up some sort of tactic or system to stop you. I mean, we've seen with Rangers this season the manner in which they play a certain style, and if it doesn't work, the wheels fall off pretty quickly. Even with Celtic to an extent, you know, if you get in, if you can get in Scott Brown's face, you can disrupt him. Then Celtic can be look slightly troubled. Um, maybe to a lesser extent, players like um, you know Scott Sinclair or you know Kieran Tierney. You know you know where Celtic's strengths lie. You know where Rangers' strengths lie. When you look at this, when you look at this uh, Hibs team, yeah, you can maybe try and put someone on John McGinn. But you're right. There's there's you got Martin Boyle on the right. You've got Scott Allen. You've got these these strikers, um, and then obviously you've got um, McGeek as well, who's who's proved to me just as capable in centre midfield as McGeek. So. It's a lot harder to break them down, um, and even when you want to compare them to like their their rivals at Hearts, Hearts have really struggled this season because they haven't been able to do that at all. They've got so few goal scorers and what just maybe Kyle Lafty, 
Milinkovic another one maybe and he doesn't even seem to be getting a game under Craig Levine so I think it shows a good contrast between how um, how, how strong a uh, factor it can be when you don't have to worry about a big target man up front scoring goals week in and week out yeah, it's, yeah I completely agree with that do we have anything to say on their defence because there's some standout performers there as well and I know it's easy for us when Hibs are flying high to say oh everybody's great but Look at even now when we've scratched the surface, it, they really do have strength front to back. Mm-hmm. Um, does anybody want to chat about the defence briefly? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we mentioned this when we talked about Hearts actually a few weeks ago. And I, I feel really bad for Hearts fans listening to this podcast. I'm really not trying to just bash Hearts throughout the whole show, but one thing that really stood out for me, which I didn't even appreciate until we did that episode, was that Hibs have only conceded three more goals than Hearts this season. Um, and Hearts are the team that have this famed backline. Yeah, I've, I've had Hibs fans all season screaming, saying Hanlon's just as good as Christoph Vera, um, and that's maybe a debate for another time. But I can understand their point. I think I think it's interesting. That I think everyone knows how good Hibs are going forward, but I don't think they really get as much credit in the back. Um, well, for example, I'll give you some stats here in terms of like defensive duels. Paul Hanlon's sixteenth in the league. Ambrose is twentieth. Um, and what I found really interesting was it so. Um, a defensive duel is obviously like any sort of like one-to-one with an opposing player, tackle, header, interception, things like that. Um, Bartley in midfield is 11th in the league for how high his percentage, so the how, how many of those duels he wins. So he wins 32% of them, which is the 11th best turnover in the league. Um, McGregor, Hanlon and Ambrose are all in the top 20. So they've got a backline and a defensive midfielder who not only make a lot of interceptions, make a lot of defensive duels, but um, they make sure they win them, which is the important thing, you know, which is obviously so important. So they've got three centre-backs there who don't let people get past them, they don't let them beat them in the air, don't get in trouble past them, and they've got a defensive midfielder who does the exact same. Um, and of course, what one thing I found out was really interesting, which I guess fits in with the amount of goals they have conceded, um, Marciano is only bested by Craig Gordon in terms of having the lowest amount of saves per 90 minutes this season, which means um, if you were to judge each, each team on how many saves the goalkeepers have had to make per match, it'd be Celtic and then Hibs, and then there's quite a distance for the rest of the, se- uh, for the rest of the, the division. So Hibs, you know, yeah, they're good going forward. We're all well aware of that, but they've also got a really solid backline as well, and I think the stats show that quite well. And I think it's, it's interesting that... Um, Neil Lennon has always consistently defended Ambrose, actually. I remember in the start of pre-season, there was a bit of hassle over where he was. Didn't, re- didn't report back in time for pre-season, and you would have thought, right, what's going on there? But he's he, Lennon seemed pretty chilled out about it. Um, he knows the kind of, probably unfortunately, the kind of, um, you know, troubles he went through at Celtic, in a sense. that not, not literally any troubles, but I mean in the sense that he was never really fully trusted by the Celtic support, with good reason, to be point, to be yeah, fair. I think, you know, 90% of the time, you know, Ambrose will play an excellent game, yeah. but it's just that final 10%, he's just an absolute yeah, bomb scare. Yeah, actually, I remember I was at the Celtic Juventus game, or... Oh, yeah. Was it that one? Yeah. I can't remember. I was, I was at the press conference afterwards, and Dyla said... Ambrose is a fantastic setback for nine, for 89 minutes of the game. It's just that one minute where something goes wrong and that's what gets judged on. At Hibs, he's not under that as much as, as that severe pressure, obviously, in the Champions League games. At this level in the Scottish Premiership, he's still an outstanding player. And alongside Hanlon, I think they've both um, proved to be one of the most effective setback pairings in the league. I know they play a back three with McGregor at times, 
Um, and they've also got Porteous as a backup, who looks like a really Ryan Porteous yeah, looks yeah, like a promising. really, really promising young centre back. I know we seem to have too many of them now in Scotland, but um, so yeah, my point would be that um, you know we're giving the attack midfield and attack a lot of credit, but this defence is arguably done just as well um, because if you think about it, like Hibbs, sure the defence, the, the attacking line is quite good, but there's still about twenty goals less than Celtic and Rangers in the league. However. Um, they're still matching most of the teams defensively. Well, let's finally look at then, they've obviously got reasons for optimism going into post-split. Just how optimistic can Hibs fans be going into the split and then their record perhaps against these top sides and given that their chances of finishing in second place? I, mean, I think they've shown that they can, they can cause trouble for any of the big teams on their day. I mean, against Aberdeen, they've lost twice, but then they've beat them one time, Rangers, they beat them twice, Celtic, they've drawn with them twice, um, they're unbeaten against Hearts, and even they're also going to get two draws against Kilmarnock, which, okay, six months ago, that might have seemed that impressive, but actually under Steve Clark's current form, that is impressive. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that you know every game they go into, they'll have a, a good chance of getting something from it, and I don't know if you can say that about the, the other contenders for second place. Um, and also, I think as well, just... Going before they go, go into the split, I mean, the, the standings might be totally different because Hibs have got Hamilton and Ross County left to play, whereas uh, Aberdeen, they've got Motherwell and Hearts, which are tricky games that they could easily drop points in, and then Rangers have just got Dundee. So, I mean, I think... Who, to be fair, got a point off Hearts. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So. But, I mean, I, I think that... I think they've got as good a chance as anyone. Um, I mean, the only thing I think could stop them is if... Uh, Marty really sorts out Rangers' form because I think you know if you go through the team sort of player by player, Rangers probably do have a bit more to their squad than Hibs, but I do think that I, to be honest, I, I would, out of the three, I'll, I'll go for it. Yeah, I'll say Hibs will finish second. I've yeah, committed. You put your name down. There we go. Hearts fans, yeah, you can email me at. <laughs> I'll email as well, like you can fax me at. What about you, Stefan? Yeah, I mean, I think I broadly agree with that, actually. I think Hibs are in a fantastic position to take advantage of what's coming for them. Um, like, like, like James has just basically pointed out, they have got um, the easier run ins. Um, I was really intrigued to see what would happen in that Thistle game actually I don't know why but I just had a suspicion that that seemed like the kind of game they might have slipped up in they but have in the past like they've been, you go to Hamilton they've drawn against Hamilton this season it was the smaller sides as you say they maybe lost struggled it, against, lost yeah. as well yeah um, so but I, I, I do completely agree with what James is saying Rangers have got problems with teams in that top six um, Aberdeen have probably even bigger problems with teams in that top six yeah, especially Celtic yeah, exactly. Um, Kilmarnock, I suspect, once they get into the top six, I'm not entirely sure how much they're going to be. As happens to be with someone on Twitter uh, at the weekend. That, yeah. I think it was Joel Sked you were talking to. Yeah, it was yeah. actually. Yeah, he made a good point. He was like, "I've never. There's no reason to suggest they would." But I'm. I, I do. I feel like the hardest thing to maintain in football is like a hunger and a consistency. Once you've achieved a goal, and I, I do feel like, yeah, okay, Kilmarnock just still technically push for Europe but I feel like they think the top four spots are maybe slightly beyond them maybe they're not maybe proved wrong but if I think this Kilmarnock team they're at risk more than anyone else of being like right okay we've kind of we're over the line we're fine now Hibs however they're definitely still in for second place they would love nothing more than to get to beat Rangers to that second spot and Aberdeen 
um, and they've got probably better head-to-head record than any of those teams against top six sides, and they're not in the Scottish Cup. Um, now, I know by the time most people read, listen to this podcast, Aberdeen might not have been it either, um, so that's fine, but I, I still feel like there's... Um, in fact, that's an absolute lie, actually. The game's the week after next, so we don't know yet if they will be or not. <laughs> I was going to say. Sorry, I'm getting my fixtures list round up, but... Um, yeah, so you know Aberdeen, Celtic, and Rangers all have a Scottish Cup game this month. Um, two of them will then obviously, well, well, probably, hopefully, not hopefully, probably two of them will end up going through to the final. But I think I, I don't know. I just feel like Hibs are. In a, I, I totally agree with you. Actually. I, can I just say I think it's really easy to write off Aberdeen because I think now people are seeing the problems Rangers have had in the last three matches and went off the rails a bit. Uh, Marty really seems to be struggling to turn the tide, so it's really easy to think, oh my God, it's Hibs, Hibs to lose at this point, but I think Aberdeen have been there, they've done it before, mm-hmm. um, they'll be out for revenge against Hibs when they meet because the last time, and I don't think you can underplay the fact Graeme Shinney was injured the last time Hibs and Hart, Aberdeen played, and I think it was McKenna said, Hibs absolutely murdered them, I think the next time they play and Shinney's there, it'll be a lot closer, um, I think, don't get me wrong, I think like Hibs, if you were to say a team outside maybe Celtic, uh, who, who are good against the big teams, it is Hibs, um, but I just I feel and it's maybe it's maybe me making the apology. I think in the past I keep thinking, oh well, it's, Hibs have got a really good chance here, but it's so easy in your mind to write off Aberdeen. Uh, and I think if it's I honestly still think Aberdeen are favourites at the moment because purely on points, if they win their game in hand, they're t- ahead of Rangers. If Hibs win, they may have already won it by this point uh, that you're listening, but they can close the gap on Rangers as well. So I, I would say Aberdeen, it's Aberdeen still to lose, um, but. My caveat would be Hibs are out with a very, very good shout. It's worth pointing out actually that since the uh, since the winter break, Hibs have actually picked up as many points as Celtic in the league. Kamarnik have the most, which I think most people are aware of. If not, well now you know. Um, in the last ten games, they've picked up twenty three points, and Celtic and Hibs are both on twenty one. Then it's Rangers on nineteen, and it's Aberdeen on seventeen. I actually kind of agree with what you're saying. Actually, Aberdeen have kind of slowly but surely kept up with things. Yeah. I think I think they've largely done that basically on doing exactly what they do they do best, which is basically beating the smaller teams. You know, last few weeks they've had Dundee, Thistle, and St Johnston, but before that they had you know Celtic and Hibs, and they lost both those games. It's interesting though because yeah, they are very predictable. And I've taken out that Hibs defeat. The only other time they've lost against a team that wasn't Rangers or Celtic that season was against Motherwell. So it is, it is as you say, the old firm block that McInnes seems to have, particularly yeah, Celtic. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd be, I'd be, the stats suggest to me that Hibs are go- uh, Aberdeen are going to struggle against top six sides. If they don't, then fair play, they deserve immense credit. And if Derek McInnes is to finish second this season, then could be arguably one of the most the greatest achievements he's, he's had at Aberdeen. Yeah. Um, but I probably will have to agree with James, actually. I think... Uh, I think I think Hibs are just as good a spot. They've they've got a four point gap they have to make up, right? So that's at least on on Aberdeen. If they win if they win their game in hand, which um, most people once they listen to this will know if they have or not. So just to con- just before we finish, none of us think Rangers are going to finish second then. No, I didn't say that at all. Uh, okay. I don't know who's going to finish second. I you think don't. I genuinely. Th- <laughs> I, I honestly. I, <laughs> I, I honestly. Um, can't wait to enjoy this race. I think it's. I think it's, I genuinely think it's one of the most interesting things in European football this season. I've been saying that on Twitter all season. I've been bored to death with the Bundesliga and Premier League football. Bothers the hell out of me. Um, 
there's nothing going on in in Italy or uh, France either. So uh, maybe in Italy not ring, but I mean, who, who watches Italian football? Come on, it's rubbish. Um, <laughs> any any other uh, countries you want to offend before we finish up? I don't care. Okay. I, I, I can't. The Liechtenstein League football. has been a belter this season. Just before you slide the race for second place in Scottish Premiership has been one of the most entertaining things in European football this season. And what is it the kids say? Don't you can at, quote don't me. At me, at me. No, you can. You can quote <laughs> our TV on that if you want. <laughs> you can. God's sake. Right. On, we're going to stop there. Okay. Um, before we we'll do the usual, we're going to do a couple of shout outs for what's coming up on the site this week. So we have. I'm going to write something on Scott Allen. Uh, we kind of briefly talked about it today, but we'll be a more in-depth look at what he's brought to Hibs and just how vital he is to them going forward into this battle for second place. Uh, you're looking at Alan Campbell, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And then we'll have some pieces on Ross County and Thistle's six-pointer. Mm-hmm. Good luck, James. Uh, and then we'll also have a look at Motherwell and Aberdeen as well. Uh, so plenty coming up on the site. Uh, you can keep up to date with everything on our social media channels at the 2.1. That's Instagram. That is also Twitter and Facebook. Uh, if you want to head along to the 2.1.com to find out more about subscriptions. Uh, we also have an exciting video next week, don't we, Steph? And we were filming today at, at Rugby Park. Yes, yeah, so our, our next Talking Tactics video is with Gary Dicker at Kilmarnock. And he was, without giving too much away, he was great talking about the tactical and coaching side of football and, and obviously we peek behind the curtain of what Steve Clark's done this season at yeah. Rugby Park. Yeah, look out for that. So that should be about uh, early next week. But until then, that's all we've got time for on the 2.1 cast this week. We'll be back next week with another episode. See you then.